we're in Micah 5, and uh, as I was thinking and preparing this message this week, I was thinking, uh, you know, everybody has fears. Everybody has secret fears. You've got them. I've got them. Uh, it could be the fear that somebody really got to know you, that they wouldn't like you anymore. You know, it could be the fear that, you know, that your life is just insignificant, that your life is, you know, just kind of meaningless, is, doesn't, really, doesn't really matter. Uh, some people have the fear of dying alone. Uh, some people have the fear of, of a secret being revealed or being found out and the repercussions of that. Uh, some people have the fear that they'll never find true love and uh, that they, they will live the rest of this life alone. You know, it's a significant fact that in the Christmas story, four different times, it is said, fear not. Four different times in the Christmas story. The angels had to say it to Mary. The angels had to say it to Joseph. The angels had to say it to Zechariah. And the angels had to say it to the shepherds, fear not. And what that shows me is that God understands that we often struggle with fear. That fear is a part of all of our lives. And so today we know that the birth of Jesus is good news. But when that, when that good news first landed on the earth, you know, when, when it was first shared that there was uh, a Savior that was born, it wasn't good news. It was scary news. And what you see in the story is it scared everybody to death. It scared Mary to death. Uh, Joseph was afraid. You saw uh, even King Herod was afraid. Uh, the shepherds were afraid. They had never seen a light show like that before, and all of a sudden, they were afraid. Uh, Zechariah was afraid. You know, in fact, the gospel tells us the entire city of Jerusalem uh, was afraid at the news of the Messiah being born because they understood the implications of it, even though they didn't understand all the implications of it. They knew this was a big deal. And so every one of the main characters in the Christmas story struggled with fear. And what's fascinating about that is they struggled with different kinds of fears. And what's even more fascinating than that is that they struggle with the fears that you and I struggle with even today. Maybe for you it's the fear of losing control, the fear of disapproval, the fear of disappointment, the fear of inadequacy. You see, these fears have been around since, since really uh, the beginning of time. And, and so uh, 2,000 years later, we find ourselves struggling with the very same fears, do we not? The very same fears. And so, so today we are, we are in week three of a series that we've been calling All is Calm. And I've been sharing with you, we're doing this series because we're living in a time when all is not calm. Uh, there's a lot of people that are living in fear today. Have you noticed that? I think you can make a strong case that 2021 is the year of fear. I mean, you could. You could, you could make a very strong case for that. I mean, just think about what's going on around us just in the headlines right now. There are financial fears. There's a lot of financial uncertainty. Uh, there's also the, the coronavirus. There are a lot of people fearful of the coronavirus. Uh, we're living in a time where mass shootings are just common right now. Uh, we're seeing that the crime wave has skyrocketed all across uh, the United States. Uh, right now, the Russians are amassing 135,000 troops on the Ukrainian border right now. And, uh, and we know that Taiwan and China have a very tense 
relationship. And, and not only that, but the Colts almost did not make the playoffs. Can you believe that? Um, how scary is that? So now here's the question. Where do I find, where do I find calm for all of my fears? How do I find peace in a world that seems really, really dangerous? And I would say that the answer to that is the promises of God. I, I would say it like this, that peace comes through the promises of God. That if you want to live a fear not Christmas, you need to be leaning on the promises of God. Now I know, I, you know, I've been there, I've done that. I know that a lot of people make promises. I get that. I, I know that a, a lot of people don't live up to their promises. I get that. But you know, God is a God who always keeps his promises. He always does. And he has literally given us thousands of promises in his word. And he always keeps his promises. Do you know the promises of God? Because it could be that you're living in fear and you're living in anxiety because you're not leaning on the promises of God because you don't even know the promises of God. Now, sometimes the promises of God can be a challenge because God doesn't always fulfill his promises in the way that we think he's going to fulfill them. You know, we box him in on the calendar. We tell him he's got to fulfill them in this time frame. Or, he's, or we box him in in another way where we, where we say, well, he's got to fulfill it in this way, kind of according to our plan. But the interesting thing about the promises of God is he fulfills them in multiple ways and in multiple times. So sometimes he fulfills those promises in the very short term, and sometimes he fulfills those promises in the, dis, in the, you know, the very distant future. In fact, what we see is God has all of eternity to fulfill his promises, which is what he will do. But he also can fulfill them in a number of different ways. So he's not boxed in by our plans or by our expectations. But he always keeps his promises. And today I want to show you a passage from Micah chapter 5 that is really a prophecy or, if you will, a promise from God about the coming Messiah. This is a Christmas passage, but we're not really familiar with this as a Christmas passage. But I want us to look at it today because I believe it speaks directly to our deepest fears today. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're willing and able, would you please stand together as we read Micah 5 verses 1 through 5 today. So this is God speaking through the prophet Micah. He says, now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ebratha, who are, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, and from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. The grass withers and flowers fade. Not the word of God. It lasts forever. You may be seated. <clears throat> so really, this is a promise. It's a, it's a prophecy of a, of a coming ruler. 
and uh, this ruler will be coming in the future. But it's, it's an interesting passage because the ruler is prophesied to be coming in the future, but this ruler is from, um, from of old. He is called the Ancient of Days. And uh, it just reminds us that, uh, of, of really who he is talking about, uh, the one who was and is and, and really is to come. And so, so it may not be a very well-known passage for us, but it was certainly well-known uh, to the writers of the New Testament. Matthew actually quotes this passage in Matthew chapter 2 as he's un- unpacking the Christmas story. Let me give you a little bit more of the context. What's happening in Micah chapter 5 is the prophet is predicting judgment on the people of Israel. And uh, the reason why there's judgment on the people of Israel is because they've been living in rebellion against their God. And uh, so he's predicting that 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 Assyria will be coming and Babylon will be coming and, uh, and they will bring death and destruction and they will bring exile to God's people and it will be a very, very difficult time. And so, and so it's really as a result of, of their rebellion and it wasn't as if God had not warned them. He had, he had warned them over and over. He had given them grace upon grace. He had sent to them prophet among prophet to call them home, to, to call them to, 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 the, to their right mind, but they, they wouldn't do it. And so God had only one recourse left was to allow uh, Assyria and Babylon to, to destroy the kingdom of Israel and then, and then later on the kingdom of Judah. But God promises restoration. See, he never ends in judgment, but his, but his works and his purposes always end in restoration. And so he makes this promise of a coming king and this coming king will deliver us from all of our fears. And so that's, that's what he's describing. He's describing the coming of the Messiah, the, the chosen one. Now, how do we know that? Well, you notice in verse 2, he talks about that this ruler will come from Bethlehem. The smallest of families in all of Israel, right? The smallest of towns, the smallest, you know, the, the smallest of, of uh, the tribes of Israel. He comes from Bethlehem. Does anything good come from Bethlehem? That's kind of the thought uh, even back then. But what's fascinating even more about this is that this prophecy was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. And I would say to you that Micah absolutely nailed it. Did he not? He really did. And that this ruler would not come from the political elites, that this ruler would would not be, you know, celebrity status in Hollywood. Uh, this ruler would not be a famous philosopher from Athens. But this ruler would come from very humble beginnings. And, uh, and that he will uh, be the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So I love this passage. What I want to just share with you this morning are three promises from right, right from the Word of God, right from this passage that really calm our fears today. Three promises that calm our fears. Number one, Promise number one, Jesus will be our shepherd. Notice, notice with me verse four. Let me show it to you just right from the scripture, what the, what the prophet says. He's talking about this coming ruler in verse four. He says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Now, he's really describing He's saying that this ruler will shepherd his people of Israel. Now, this is an interesting metaphor that he is giving to us because the metaphor serves as a purpose to show us how he's going to rule his people. And and what he's saying is this, that he's not going to rule his people like a distant and detached CEO. 
That's not how he's going to rule his people. He's not going to rule his people like a brutal dictator like, we, like we've seen in human history. He's not going to rule his people like a politician who's just selfishly searching for power and money and, you know, and, and fame and that kind of thing. No, this ruler that God has promised is a ruler who will shepherd his people. That's the metaphor. It's a shepherding motif here. And so I love that imagery of a shepherd. I love the meaning behind that because when you, when you really think about a good shepherd, a good shepherd is close to his sheep. A good shepherd cares for his sheep. A good shepherd knows his sheep. A good shepherd is gonna lead his sheep to rest and security and blessing. And so all of that is conveyed in this. It's a very clear message about the nature of this ruler. And so, and so really what it's doing is it's pointing to Jesus as our shepherd. Now, how do we know that? Well, we know it because of what it says in John 10, 10. Notice what Jesus says about himself. He says this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus is making a claim that he is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the ruler predicted from 700 years ago in the prophet Micah. That's what he's talking about. Jesus knew the scriptures backward and forward. He wrote them. <laughs> and he knew that his audience knew Micah chapter 5. This is a direct connection to this prophecy. And basically Jesus is saying, I am, I am the shepherd of Israel that was foretold. But there's something interesting about the way he will shepherd his people. Notice what it says again in verse 4. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. So there's something different about this shepherd. This shepherd is, is powerful. So this shepherd, there's, there's nothing hesitant about the shepherd. There's nothing uh, tentative about the shepherd. There's nothing unsteady about the shepherd. You know why? Because of the power of the shepherd. That's what Micah is really pointing to. And so he is going to, he's going to rule his people in the strength of the Lord. Now, I love this as I was thinking about our fears and uh, I, I was just thinking about how the power of God addresses our fears today, especially our fear of inadequacy. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like for most of us, for a lot of us, we really struggle with this, right? That we're not enough, that we, that we, really, don't, we really don't measure up, that we don't measure up as a parent. We don't, we don't meet whatever standard is out there. Or we don't measure up as a spouse. Or we don't, you know, we don't measure up our family's expectations, whatever they might be. Or maybe we, you know, we just kind of lack the, you know, the approval of a parent. Or we, maybe we're not measuring up. Or maybe we feel like we're not enough at work and we're just kind of falling behind. And, and, and so we just have this fear that we're not enough. That we don't measure up. That we that we can't quite ring all the bells. And what it does is it creates this sense of fear and, and uncertainty and anxiety in our life. But can I just share with you the truth about this, church? And this is, this is it's gonna kind of sound like bad news, but it's really good news, all right? So you guys ready for this? Here's the truth about inadequacy. The truth is this, we aren't enough. But our ruler is. Jesus is enough. 
You see, I don't want to stand up here and tell you you're enough. You have what it takes. You can do it. I don't want to tell you that because it's not true. But through the power of your shepherd, he makes up the difference. You see, God gives grace to the humble, um, but he opposes the proud. And so when we humble ourselves, what does he do? He raises us up. That's what he does. And so really the key to overcoming this fear of inadequacy is relying on God's power. Of recognizing I don't have that strength. I don't have the power. God, I need your power in my life to navigate these circumstances, whatever they might be. Now, as I was thinking about this, Mary uh, in the Christmas story immediately came to mind because I think, I think she struggled with fears of inadequacy. I mean, just think about the situation that God allowed her to be in. I mean, you know the story, an angel shows up and says, Mary, God has, God has kept his promises. God is sending the ruler. He's sending the Messiah. He's sending the chosen one. And uh, he's coming as a baby. And by the way, you're going to be the mom. Now, you want to talk about a sense of inadequacy. There it is, right there. That would create inadequacy in anybody's life for, for any number of reasons. She probably felt this fear of inadequacy in her, in her life. I mean, first and foremost, church, she's a teenager. I mean, when the angel showed up in her house, she's probably 15 years old. I mean, most girls were getting married at, at 12, you know, and, and, and 13 years old. So, so she's, just, she's just a teenager. And, and not only that, she's not married. She's a virgin. She's never been through this before. And so, and so, you know, she's never had a relationship with a man. She doesn't know anything about this. Not only that, but she is engaged to a guy named Joseph. And she's thinking to, she's thinking to herself, how do I explain this to him? Uh, by the way, Joe, I'm pregnant. Um, but I haven't been with any man, really. Um, and it's from God. And he's the Messiah. He's, he's uh, the Lord. He's, he's the Son of God. Yeah, right, Mary. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's kind of what has to be going through his mind. Then, then not only that, but just think about the daunting task of raising the Son of God. How do you parent the perfect Son of God? How do you do that? I would love to read that book. You know what I mean? That would be, that parenting book would be an instant bestseller. And then, and then not only that, but I think her inadequacy comes really just from trying to figure out how am I going to explain all of this to my family to my community. I mean, you know Bethlehem. I mean, it's a, you know, every, you know, news travels fast in a small town. You guys know what I'm saying. And uh, she's thinking to herself, man, how in the world do I handle this? Not only that, but because of her fiance, they've got to go down to Bethlehem. They're taking a census. You know, the day before she gives birth, she's riding on a donkey. I don't know anything about giving birth, but that doesn't sound like fun at all. Um, and, uh, and then not only that, but she's going to deliver her first child in a cave where they kept animals. Um, and there's not going to be a doctor. Or there's not going to be a midwife. Her mom's not going to be there. You know, sister, all that. I mean, she's going to basically do this alone. And so all of that's going on in her mind. And I would imagine the fear of inadequacy is really real for her. So how in the world, church, is Mary going to be able to do this? How is she going to be able to do what God has asked her to do? Well, I will tell you, it won't be in her power. 
It won't be in her strength, but it'll be through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just show it to you right from Luke's account, uh, chapter 1, verses 29 through 35. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She's trying to figure this out. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. There it is. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found grace with God. That's what, that's what that says. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. I mean, this is the ruler Micah's talking about right here. This is real. And so, and he said, and, and, and the angel tells her, his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? I'm a virgin. I don't measure up. I don't meet the standard. I don't know how I can do this, she's saying. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. You see the shift there? She was focused on, on her inadequacy. And the angel brought her a message of God's sufficiency. She was focused on her strength. God revealed to her his strength. And see, fear comes when we're relying on ourselves. Peace comes when we're relying on God. And that's what he calls her to. And I love, I love how she responds to this. Uh, you see her, her response to the, to the word of God, to the, to the message of the angel in Luke uh, 138 and Mary said behold I am I am a servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed her you see that's how Mary overcame her inadequacy she surrendered to God's plan and purpose she said I'm your servant and let it be to me according to your word whatever your plan is God I'm good with it let's go let's roll with it that's what she says. And so she has a heart of surrender to God's plan and to purpose. That's called faith. Here's my question. Have you ever said that to God? Have you ever told him, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word, according to your will, according to your plan. I'll, I'll just receive whatever it is your plan is for me so that I can serve you. Have you ever said that to God? Because you see, here's the thing. You're gonna live in constant fear and anxiety because until you say that, you're really operating in your own strength. And so, of course, you're gonna be focused on your capacity. Of course, you're gonna feel inadequate. You need a power that is not your own. And so the bottom line is this. It's really, it's really your choice. You can live in fear or you can live in faith. You can, you can put your hands on and try to control everything, or you can say, I'm going with your plan. God, I'm trusting your plan. And so, really, the good news is this. God's never gonna ask you to do something that he's not gonna give you the resources to do. I mean, he's gonna bring the people in your, across your path to help you do what he's asking you to do. He's gonna bring the gifts. He's gonna bring the resources. He's gonna bring every, the network. He's gonna, he's gonna bring everything you need. Whatever he's asking you to do, if you will surrender to him, that opens the door for him to give you everything you need. And uh, 
that's a huge thing. And so that's why we don't have to live in fear because this is our powerful shepherd. This is our powerful ruler. He gives us the power uh, to overcome our fears. But there's a second promise, promise number two, we will dwell secure. We will dwell secure. So Jesus will be our shepherd But the second promise is that we will dwell secure. And this comes right again from verse four, the second half of verse four. Notice notice what the prophet says. He says, and they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Now think about this church. Who is is the they that he's talking about? Like who is gonna dwell secure? The children of God, God's sons and daughters. They will dwell secure secure. Now, why will they dwell secure? Well, really, because of the power and the strength of the shepherd, what we just talked about. So, so that phrase in Hebrew, shall dwell secure, it literally means to sit securely. It literally means to rest securely. So get this, church. The shepherd stands to rule his people in power so that his people can sit securely. The ruler stands so that we can sit. The ruler stands so that we can rest. That's what he's communicating. And so really the promise of scripture is, is, or the promise of Christmas is this, that Christ coming is a promise of security for us. That's what it is. It's a promise that our, that our security is a gift and it comes from the strength of the shepherd. Now, here's the truth about us is it's our nature to be insecure. It is our nature to, to be afraid and uh, to, to fear. We, we live in a very insecure world. I mean, we, I mean, it would be hard to imagine a world in which we all feel completely secure all the time because there's so much insecurity in our world. It's just a daily part of it and we all experience it. It's kind of the universal condition. There was an article in the Huffington Post, this was years ago, and the article was about fear and it was comparing the fears of children with fears of adults because so many times as adults, we kind of write off the fears that children have as, you know, kind of irrational, as silly. But kind of the point of the article was when you look at them on paper, when you kind of compare them, you know, apples to apples, they're pretty similar. And, uh, and so they had a list of illustrations that kind of explain this. Let me, let me just show this to you real quick. So they talked about this childhood fear of doctors and then the adult fear of doctor's bills. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, we've all seen that before. And then, then another fear is children often fear bad dreams. Uh, but for adults, it's really unfulfilled dreams, isn't it? And we start realizing our life didn't turn out the way we thought. Um, and then in childhood, we're, we're afraid of, you know, strangers. And uh, adult fear, we show up at a party and we have this crippling social uh, anxiety. But here's the last one. I thought this was good. Uh, childhood, childhood fear of clowns. <laughs> and adult fear of clowns. Got to get an amen to that. Um, so, Yeah. What was interesting about the article is this, fear is something we all experience, isn't it? I mean, we're never alone in our fears. We're we're never alone in our insecurities. We're never alone in our anxieties. We, We often feel that, but it's not true. We're all just kind of a bundle of nerves. And, uh, and so it just comes from the fact that there's uncertainty in our jobs 
There's uncertainty in our finances. There's uncertainty in our health, certainly. Uh, there's uncertainty in the world. We have no control uh, over that. And it's just, it's just a part of life. And so, and so the promise of the coming strong ruler is that his sons and daughters will dwell secure in him. Now, as I was thinking about, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Mary's counterpart, Joseph, in the Christmas story. And uh, I was thinking about uh, the fact that the angel had to say, fear not to Joseph. And I was just trying to get into his mind and get into his heart. Um, and I, I would imagine he had the fear of disapproval in his life operating. I mean, just think about it. I mean, his fiance comes to him and says, uh, Joseph, you know, I'm pregnant. I've never been with the man. Uh, Joseph's not been with her in that way. Um, and so she says, yeah, it's the child's from God and he happens to be the son of God. And he goes, yeah, you know, yeah, right. And, um, and he's thinking to himself a couple of things. Can I really trust what she's saying? And I think he landed on, yeah, I, I, I can trust what she's saying. I just can't make any sense of it. This doesn't happen every day. Uh, but then he starts thinking about his family and the people that he works with. And he thinks about working at the shop and answering all the questions about their engagement and the fact that she's showing. And, you know, the fact that the guys are going to talk and say, oh, you know, she's just taking you for a ride, man. She's just giving you a story. And, you know, she's just, you know, you, you, can't, you can't trust what she says. And, and uh, so I don't know exactly what he's thinking, but I'm thinking for sure that he had that fear of, of, of disapproval. It, it had to be along, along those lines. And so his first inclination was not to believe her. And he quickly got to, I'm going to leave her and divorce her, but he didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to create a public scandal because he really loved her, but he couldn't make sense of it. And he knew, he knew the judgment and condemnation that was coming down the highway. And he's like, I'll just, I'll just circumvent that, make it so much easier on everybody, and I'll divorce her quietly. Then the angel shows up. And the angel says, Joe, fear not. It's not time to fear. Give your fears to your God. And he says it in Matthew 1, 18, 20. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear. Whatever his fear was, that statement covered all of them. That's for sure. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived as her is from the Holy Spirit. He said, yes, Lord, let's get going. And uh, his obedience helped him to overcome that fear of disapproval. Now, here's the thing. Let me ask you, what is it that threatens your sense of security? What is it that you're worried about right now? What is it that you're fearful of right now? Is it financial? Is it, is it physical? Is it approval of someone that you're not getting or disapproval uh, what is it how do you how do you overcome that fear like what what do you do well I, I think Micah gives us an indicator of this he says this they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth 
Now, what he's really talking about there is he's, he's, he's simply talking about the fact that our security comes from a person. Our, our dwelling secure comes from the Messiah, Jesus. So it's not our greatness, it's God's greatness. It's not my capacity, it's God's capacity. And, and so what's happening here is this, the angel appears to Joseph and, and he shifts Joseph's focus from his strength to God's strength. From, from you know, the sense of greatness that he had, whatever that was, to the greatness of God. You see, it's all about putting your trust in the person of Jesus. So it's not really about our circumstances. You know, we have great circumstances, we'll dwell secure. No, that's not it. It's not about our attitudes being great. It's not even about that. It's not about us choosing greatness every day. It really is this. Our security comes from the greatness of our God and us reflecting and thinking about that greatness. That's where it comes from. Now, you know, when you think about what you're afraid of, uh, I, I don't know if, you know, you do this, but uh, sometimes I meditate on my fears. Y you know what meditation is, right? Meditation is just focused thinking. So you just think about one thing and you just focus your thoughts on it. So it could be like, well, what if I have cancer? So then you start going down that rabbit trail of all the things of dealing with cancer. What if I lose my job? You focus your thinking on all the things about losing your job. You know, what if, what if they're mad at me? And you start worrying and fearing. And what happens is you're meditating on your fears. You're focusing your, your thoughts and your heart on the worst things that could happen to you. And you're doing it for minutes. We do this so much, we don't even know we're doing it. That's how uh, much of a habit that it really is. But here's, here's my challenge to you. What would happen if peace comes through the promises of God? What, what would happen if you flipped the script? What would happen if you meditated on the promises of God? What would happen if you focused your thinking on the promise of Micah that you will dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth? I think what would happen is your fears would start to shrink and your God, the size of your God, would grow and the size of your confidence with him. Let me, let me show this to you from Isaiah. I, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take his word for it. But let me show you how the prophet Isaiah describes this, Isaiah 26.3. This is a great promise to memorize, by the way. You shall keep him you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You see that? Whose mind is meditating on the greatness of God because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You know, it uses this imagery of a rock because when you lean against a rock, it doesn't move. The Lord is a rock. And so, so God will keep you in peace, perfect peace, when your mind and your heart really stays focused on him even in the midst of difficulties even in the midst of you know anxiety even in the midst of grief even in the midst of all kinds of problems our fears rule us because we think about them but we need to be thinking about God's promises and God's presence let me let me close with this promise number three 
Here's the result. Jesus will be our peace. This is another reason why we can have calm uh, for our fears, because Jesus will be our peace. This is verse 5. He says it just straight out. He shall be this ruler, this powerful ruler, where we're going to dwell secure in, he shall be our peace. Now, part of this is uh, an allusion to that there's going to be political peace in the future. So that's part of what he means here, is this is a promise for political peace. Now, I know that's hard to imagine right now, right? Because we live in such a politically divided time. We can't even imagine uh, nations getting together, people getting along together. Uh, but, but literally, that is a promise for the peace that this ruler is going to one day bring at his second coming. But the promise points to something even greater, the peace that we can have in our hearts, the confidence that we can have in the face of fears that we're tempted to yield to and anxieties that we're tempted to just let kind of overwhelm us. You see, we can have an unshakable confidence in, in the peace of God because he, he is our peace. And so, so what's amazing to me is this was written 700 years, like I said, before the coming of Jesus. And when you just think about Jesus' birth and his growing up and then his ministry, this, his ministry was a ministry directed at our fears. I mean, you think about it. He, he came to calm our fears. He was in the boat with the disciples one day and there was a huge storm on the Sea of Galilee and he was asleep, Jesus was. And the disciples were like shaking and waking him up saying, Lord, don't you care that we're gonna die you know, in these wind and waves? And basically Jesus looks at him and says, I do care. And he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And he says, be still. And uh, the disciples are like amazed. They're like, even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, in his life, we see that he calms our fears, that our peace comes from him. And not only that he calms our fears, but he provides what we need. Like he's our shepherd. He knows exactly what we need. And so Jesus is out with the disciples. They're teaching five, 10,000 people are out, you know, in the, in the middle of the countryside, just hanging on every word that he shares. And it's getting kind of late in the afternoon and Chick-fil-A is nowhere to be found and people are getting kind of hungry and thirsty. And uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, man, you better release these folks because they're going to start getting hungry and faint and all of this stuff. And Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And the disciples said, we just got a couple of loaves and some fish. And Jesus said, bring it to me. And so he gave thanks for what was provided. And then he multiplied that loaves and some fish and do enough to feed the entire group he provided everything that was needed there's nothing to be afraid of and then his death on the cross he he reconciles us our biggest problem was our sin our biggest problem was a sinful past and jesus took our place on the cross in fact i love how paul writes this in ephesians 2 verses 12 through 14 Remember that you were, you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You were on the outside looking in. And then he said you had no hope. You were without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, in this ruler, in this shepherd, 
you who are once were far off have, have been brought near. How, how are we brought near? Through the blood of Christ. And then he says this, for he himself is our peace. Man, that's amazing. Do you know what that is? That's the gift of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. The fact that we were without hope and without God and through his blood, we can know peace. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be dominated by anxiety. We, we can have fear today. That's what Christmas is all about. And so these are just three huge promises for you and for me today that speak directly to where we are today and who we are today through our great shepherd. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there's so much danger and so much uncertainty in our world today, but thank you for the confidence that we have because we know our ruler. We know our shepherd. And we just thank you that, that you sent him 2,000 years ago to be born in a cave and it turned the world upside down. And Lord, I just pray that you would just turn us upside down. That you would shift us away from looking to our capacity by focusing on our adequacy. That you would shift us, you would shift us to your capacity, to your power, to your perfection. And so we just thank you for all that you are, that you came and you died so that we can be reconciled. And I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would know your peace. We would know the peace of God that transcends our understanding, that it would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We thank you and praise you and all of God's people said, amen. Well, there's a there's a card in your seat that looks just like this. We've been using this over the last couple of Sundays. And I'm going to just give you a very simple invitation today. As you kind of think about what you've been anxious about, what you've been afraid of, what your greatest fear is, or whatever, whatever's causing you insecurity right now. I'm going to ask you to surrender it. I'm going to ask you to say... Lord, I'm your servant. I'm not serving fear. I'm not a slave to fear anymore. I'm a servant of God. And I'm trusting God. And if that's where your heart is today, I want to ask you just to write down whatever fear it is, whatever insecurity it is, just write it down. You know, you can just, one word to describe it. God knows what it is. And if you would like to, there's a bench over there underneath the cross to my left. And then just as an act of worship, as an act of faith, if you just want to leave your seat and drop this card right at the foot of the cross, this is your way of saying, I'm letting go of it. I'm not going to be dominated by fear and insecurity anymore. We're all tempted by it, but we don't have to let it reign. We don't have to let it control us. That's reserved for Jesus. So that's what you're saying. If you, if you want to do it, don't, don't feel obligated want to come up that's great if not that's fine too but whatever you do lay down that fear and grab onto your savior would you do that today
Let's stand together as we sing.